Presenting sponsor of The Audible is Trader Joe's. Inside Trader Joe's is a five-part podcast series that takes you literally inside Trader Joe's. Go inside the TJ's tasting panel, travel to wineries in Napa Valley, and around the world to discover the next great Trader Joe's products. Discover why they wear those super fashionable Hawaiian shirts. You'll find Inside Trader Joe's on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to The Audible. I'm Stuart Mandel, joined as always by Bruce Feldman. I'm in my usual abode here in California. Bruce is in South Florida, and I don't know, it sounds like you're, I can hear the waves crashing in the background. Yeah, it sounds like that, doesn't it? Yeah, I'd like to say it is, but it's really not that. So I, uh, I spent the day out at FAU for Fox. They open, as a lot of people know, against Oklahoma. So we spent the day with Lane Kiffin and his team, so it was an interesting interesting uh interesting 24 hour did you but, did but, you watch but, them practice oh go ahead i did yeah i watched them practice we had a weather delay out there from lightning and which is not uncommon i just think i didn't realize it'd been the first time i had been out at fau since howard schnellenberger created the program and they are right next to the air the local airport so you have planes landing seemingly every five minutes there i mean they're right next to it so i mean you see all these small planes and they're just you know when it's bad weather these small planes are just kind of like rocking back and forth as they make their landings i mean it's it's it takes a minute to get used to that well let me just ask you real quick about fau the football team so obviously they had this tremendous season last year scoring 50 60 points on everybody by the end and if you look at some of the power rankings and efficiency rankings from last season there's a case to be made that they were an actually, you know, an actual legit top 25 team. I've seen them in some early rankings for this year in the top 25, but they are still a conference USA team. So when you watch them, like I'm sure Devin Singletary stands out, but do you look out in that field and say, oh yeah, this is a, regardless of what conference they're in, this would be a, considered to be like a top 25 team, or are we getting a little ahead of ourselves? I think they look like that. I mean, look, they they don't have the same big bodies across the number of them, but you know, their two receivers or two lead, you know, top receivers at this point are Javon Durant, who sat out last year is a blazing fast kid who, who was a four star guy, started his career out at West Virginia and came home. And then another one, you know, who started out his career at Texas and is a physical, you know, good looking athlete. And that doesn't include, you know, the running back you just talked about, or they have, battle between DeAndre Johnson was a four-star quarterback who began his career at FSU and before he got in trouble or Chris Robinson who was a four-star guy who began his career at OU before he got in trouble so they are not lacking for talent I mean one of the guys who who was impressive today as well as I guess over the weekend they had a scrimmage was Kane Daub who was a big big recruit coming out of high school and went to Florida State and he looks like what everybody in the SEC has. I mean, they have guys who look like that. They just may not have quite as many as everybody else does at that level, but they they pass the eyeball test, you know, certainly more than than most programs I've seen, you know. And I'm just thinking about like there are F, there are Pac-12 teams I've seen who don't look quite as physically Im- impressive as these guys did. 
Not a lot of them, but there's a couple that come to mind. So what do you, do you give him a shot in Norman week one? I give, him a, I give him a shot. I think it'll be a competitive game. I wouldn't put it past them. I just don't know. You know, defensively, they played well last year. New defensive coordinator Chris Kiffin is now with the Niners. But Lincoln Riley is a great play caller. And even without Baker Mayfield, they're still talented. They still have a good offensive line. And I think we could have a shootout there. But I think it's going to be fascinating. I, I, I don't think it's a 21-point game like the spread initially was. I think it, at most it's probably a touchdown kind of game. I, wow. That's my, my glance at it right now. I think it could be the kind of game where they give them a scare early on, but then ultimately, like, Oklahoma's 85 wears down there. Whatever number you travel with these days, I don't remember, 60. But we'll see. That's going to be a fun one week one. Uh, it was fun to actually talk about some football there just now. Unfortunately, all the headlines in college football right now are ugly and bad and, and not about what's going on on the field. So our latest scandal is with another Big Ten East school, Maryland. DJ Durkin now on administrative leave. Several other people in that program are as well after an explosive ESPN.com report from Heather Dinich, Adam Rittenberg, and Tom Van Heeren. Uh, it's not an easy way to summarize this, but if you haven't seen it, there's just, well, first of all, it's the key event, obviously. Their offensive lineman, Jordan McNair, died after a workout in late May. He was hospitalized for two weeks after he collapsed, running 110-yard sprints, showing extreme exhaustion and difficulty staying upright. It's since come out that he had a body temperature of 106 degrees when he was taken to the hospital. So there's a lot of questions around that. There was already a school investigation going on around what the program, what the, what the staff there did or didn't do right in his treatment. But now you've got all these former, you've got current players, you've got former players, you've got former staff members, all anonymously describing this this culture of fear and intimidation, particularly with the strength coach Rick Court, of just basically humiliating players, embarrassing players. There's some really bizarre things involving food, like having a guy who they thought was overweight eat a candy bar and watch the other players work out. But some of the quotes in here, I mean, if it were one anonymous source, you might try to, you might not take it that seriously. When it's this many people, and you have a former Maryland staff member who says, I would never, ever, ever allow my child to be coached there. That's extremely troubling. And certainly Maryland thinks that way because a lot of the key people are on administrative leave now. And I think, I assume you agree that DJ Durkin's probably not going to be back there. Right now, it doesn't look, it does not look good for his coaching prospects there. I, I think the, the biggest factor, as you mentioned, is you had a tragic death attached to it. I would assume that you're probably going to have a lawsuit coming down the pipeline and that and there's going to be a lot of publicity attached to it you have a lot of damning quotes now they're anonymous quotes but they're still as you went through them this is not an issue that is looked at you know what it was i i think that some of the things you hear from people in football just from you know over the weekend talking to some people is was this the kind of thing that happened that was more commonplace not the obviously not the tragedy but but just the attitude towards it in the 80s 90s and certainly before that i would say it probably was you agree with that i'm not sure it's not still the attitude some other places as well right now unfortunately i mean the culture of college football is toughness 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 and there's almost become like this romanticized 
Like every time a, a new coach takes over, everybody wants to read about the strength coach and how tough the strength coach is. Do you remember our conversation about puke buckets a, yeah. co- a couple of years ago? Well, more than a couple of years ago. Yeah, Mike Stoops' first year at Arizona, we we used to have a joke that every, that off-season story was, was that where a bunch of writers went to Tucson and did the story about puke buckets and how it was, as you said, a kind of a badge of honor that players were pushed beyond their limits or beyond what they thought were their limits. Well, now, I think, unfortunately, I think, there have been several instances lately of those situations, like Oregon last year, Iowa a few years ago, where guys ended up in the hospital with rhabdo. And then, really sadly, this is not obviously the only case recently of a player dying during an off-season workout. Now, usually, it's that the play, it turns out the person had a pre-existing condition, but that's not the case here. Well, I can't say that for sure. I think they're still waiting on the autopsy, but the, the report is that he had heat stroke. So, you know, when you say, is this like thinking from the 80s and 90s, I'm, there's no way to know for sure whether it's not still thinking today. As Dan Wilkin of USA Today wrote, these programs are now shrouded under secrecy more so now than ever. We have no idea what goes on inside the halls of Michigan, Tennessee, Alabama, you name it. Like, I'm not singling those schools out, but there are more schools now than not where the media never glimpses anything that goes on inside that program. And your entirety of your, you know, if you're a B writer, though, your entirety, entirety of your contact is just whatever they tell you in, in press conferences and interviews. So, you, so there's no accountability. But even if you had more access, I would argue that when I moved out to LA, USC was pretty open by all standards. But it's not like you were. Yeah, you might have had a meal in the in the team dining hall, but you weren't. There's access, and then there's. It's not like people were going to be covering the the event that that uh, that there's tragedy happened at. No, it's true. I don't think you'd be there for times, an off season workout. Yeah, and you're not in the weight room when a lot of this happened. I think at one point it says the the strength coach might have been throwing things at uh, at some of the players those are things that usually no matter how open a program is you just not you're not exposed to seeing that you're not there 24 hours now does that mean a mindset you know i read the dan wolken column as well does that mean a mindset of of secrecy and everything is kept in house maybe that's maybe that's a different way of looking at it what i was going to ask you on this and this is something that has come up from talking to the uh, several coaches since this Maryland story came out, was there is some talk about, well, millennials and coaching millennials and toughening them up and and the kind of pushback you get with a culture clash. Is that what what this was? Was This was somebody's answer to this group is not tough enough and then they push beyond the limits of where they should be going? Because some of the stuff in the story, it is unpleasant and it sure sounds demeaning but in the guise of it, we've seen other examples of this and heard stories where some of the things we're talking about in the ESPN.com story, where it's happened anecdotally, and people like kind of like, they don't, I don't know if they brag about it, but it just, I, I don't know, I can think of a couple examples to my head where it hasn't been career enders for some of the assistant coaches when some of these things have come out, how they may have, what somebody would say is demeaning or, or whatnot. But I think what, again, what, what separated this story so much more is because you had this horrible tragedy that is in the middle of it. I think, yeah, I mean, I think what happened here was it may be that very similar tactics and, and um, 
and you know a very similar culture might be going on somewhere else but what happened here was a player died and obviously his teammates are devastated and they think that okay well this is going to be a wake-up call things are going to change and based on this story based on what guys have said anonymously nothing changed but that's why people suddenly felt the need to go you know reach out through the media on this because a guy died and they didn't seem to change their methods in any way after that you know Look, what, what, what was uh, culturally acceptable a generation ago or two generations ago may not be accepted now in a lot of different areas. I was thinking of, you know, one of the best like college football history books I've ever read was Junction Boys, which got turned into a movie later about Bear Bryant's first camp when he took over at Texas A&M where he took them to this, to Junction, to this, this, this remote place where they were... You know, the practice field had nails in it and you couldn't drink nobody was allowed to drink water and all this stuff and it's like if that were today Bear Bryant would never have made it to Alabama because he would have been fired for, for player abuse in that first summer but that wasn't the way that wasn't the prevailing attitude of the sport or the country in 1955 we know what it is now we've seen several coaches now get get taken out by these scandals of alleged player abuse I know you have to instill you want to instill a culture of toughness I know that like Workout conditioning programs, I'm sure there are lots of expletives that fly. I'm sure there's a lot of shouting. I know there is. and But it's very important that the coaches stay on the right side of that line between motivation and humiliation, if you know what I mean. Like, how do you kind of keep the pressure on guys and push their limits without going into the territory of, you know, where it would be considered verbal abuse? Yeah, and look, I think some of these things get out and some of these things sometimes never get out. And again, and I, there's one specific example I have in my head where I think if I read it in the context of this, where the player in question seemed to be okay, as best we can all tell, with maybe treatment that would fall into, you know, if it was in this story, it would fall into, you know, headline caliber stuff. Yet it just, I guess it depends on how it's played and it depends on, what it is kind of grouped with in terms of in terms of the rest of the uh, rest of the vibe around the program. So I, I, I don't know. I, I'm we actually have Maryland week one against Texas. Uh, we should also add for people who may not know this at this point, Matt Canada is now the acting head coach and he's the new offensive coordinator there and now all of a sudden he may be he may be the head coach for the Terps for the for the 2018 season, which is a quite a quite a crazy turn on that self on that side of it too yeah he went from being shown the door basically at lsu after a you know unsuccessful season on offense there to acting head coach of a big 10 football program yeah what did you think about will muschamp's comments when asked about all this he started out fine i thought i think the big thing is that you need to criticize the performance and not the performer that's something we talk about as a staff a lot. There's a certain way you can talk to a young man about how he's playing and what he needs to improve. But then it kind of took a, a, a strange turn. I know DJ Durkin. He worked for me for four years at the University of Florida. He's an outstanding football coach, but he's also an outstanding husband and father, and he treats people with respect. And I'll use your word, alleged article. There is no credibility in anonymous sources. If that former staff member had any guts, why didn't he put his name on that? I think that's gutless. Muschamp took a lot of backlash for this. Yeah, look, I mean, again, I think part of this, why it's heavier, certainly is because there was a death here. I, as Will Muschamp said himself, 
he's not uh, it's not like he's an unbiased person when it comes to this. I mean, he's he's close to DJ Dark and they work together. He hired him. It's the, the part about the anonymous sources thing. I've had this discussion with coaches recently. There's a difference between anonymous sources where it feels like it's gratuitous. And in this case, this falls into the category of, I think, potentially being a whistleblower. Yeah. Where if if you're that person who comes out and speaks out, I'm not sure anybody's going to hire you again. You know, because then it's like, did you did you cross the line of, about whether somebody could trust you or not? And I feel like there was actually more than there was a couple of uh, anonymous sources in this story. So, you know, in that regard, I. I I saw, I don't know who made this statement. It was like, okay, well, Will Muschamp is is talking about journalism probably with the same way journalists feel like, the same way Will Muschamp probably would feel like if journalists are talking about his play calling. Yeah. You know, it doesn't, you know, like stay in your lane. And I get it because a lot of people usually want to cast them in a light. Look, I'm glad he didn't, he didn't use the line fake news because fake news. But that's basically what he's doing. But fake news is often news you don't like. I don't think, I don't think he went there. I think he went in a different place. But I think it's uh, you know I don't know what the reporter's response back to them is because I don't know if they want to engage Will Muschamp in a fight at this point on this topic, especially because it's very personal to him. It just came off very ignorant. He went on to say, and in any business, in any company, in any football team, especially here in August, you can find a disgruntled player that's probably not playing. I think it's a lack of journalistic integrity to print things with anonymous sources. Okay, nowhere in there does he mention the fact that a player died. So right there, it's a little more serious. It's a lot more serious mm-hmm. than, oh, it's the middle of preseason camp and I'm, I'm, I'm disgruntled. You know, the people that, that talk to ESPN for this story are trying to expose, like you said, they're whistleblowers who are trying to say, hey, a guy died here and nothing has changed. Help. We need help. That's a lot different than... Uh, I think that the one where people get really annoyed about anonymous sources is NFL draft process. You know, anonymous NFL scout says this guy is never, you know, doesn't have what it takes to play in the NFL. And it's like, okay, that's one out of hundreds of NFL scouts. And why did we need to do that? I don't know. It's, it's interesting. It came up a lot on Twitter over the weekend because obviously anonymous sources have also been a part of the Ohio State stu- stuff. And people, some of our colleagues are saying, and I have to admit, I must be completely naive. It never occurred to me that... There may be a segment of the public, there may even be people listening right now that think when you see a quote from an anonymous source that the reporter himself doesn't know who that was, that it was just like a letter arrived in your, like an unmarked letter arrived in your mailbox or something that, that maybe people really? don't understand. People, people actually think that's how it is? I think some people do. Uh, it sounds like Will Muschamp might. No, I don't think Will Muschamp does. But I mean, look, we live in an age where nobody trusts the media over anything anymore and Anybody can claim to be a reporter, so anybody can go on Twitter and say, my sources told me this. Or they can go on Facebook and do that. On Facebook, (laughs) so they can be wrong. But if it's a reputable news source, and and certainly I would think we would say ESPN.com is a reputable news source, and those writers are people we really respect, like they're going to have, they're only going to run the anonymous quotes if there's a legitimate reason to do so, and if they know who the sources are, and also they would have to have told their editors who those sources are. Let me play devil's advocate on this. You know, there have been stories where coaches' careers have been put into serious jeopardy based on anonymous sources. And, this, and we're talking about within, within the last year. And there's a lot of fan bases going, hey, 
did you guys drop the ball on this? Were you right. being reckless? So I think let's I mean, let's at least be honest about this part or be upfront about it. It's not like we and I'm using we as as not just you and me, but as as the media where where whether we've gotten it wrong. We so we're not batting a thousand. We're not batting a thousand, you know, and that gives people that that withers away the benefit of the doubt with this stuff. And it doesn't happen in a vacuum. And unfortunately, there is a climate out there where I think by and large, there are uh, first of all, I think there are some times where there are times when good reporters and diligent reporters make mistakes, whether they get it from sources who they shouldn't have trusted don't uh, don't back up aren't backing up what they say or because they make mistakes in judgment beyond that so I think it goes into that and I think it goes in, there's a lot of layers to it I also think we're just in a climate now as you as we're saying whether it's Facebook or a lot of other places have popped up where there aren't a lot of safeguards in place or there's a lot of disingenuous people who know that this climate exists and are using it just to basically throw crap on social media and, you know, basically let it ride. And, and people, and I think this is a larger point where people are looking for affirmation as much as they are, or maybe more than they are for information. And that factors into it too. Yeah. I mean, that's all, that's all very valid and fair. Um, I would say that anytime there's a negative report about somebody's favorite school or coach, people are going to look for holes in the reporting, whether it was 100% accurate or not. Like it's always blame the messenger is always the game that's being played. It's being played quite a bit right now uh, amongst Ohio State fans. But also, there's a difference between a story. And frankly, I don't think you should ever base an important story off one anonymous source. But it has happened, and if that source is wrong, then you're in big trouble. I think we saw that a lot in conference realignment a few years ago. There's a difference between that and this ESPN story where I didn't count it, but I want to say there's like six or seven different people being quoted and all saying a very similar version of events. Like at that point, I'm going to say, okay, I think those sources are credible and I think that this is believable. But, you know, you are asking people to, it's pretty nuanced and you're asking people to, you know, we're in the business and ourselves and we still have to anytime something like this comes out like okay does this check out like i'm not going to take every single report at face value so if you're somebody who's a fan who has no experience with media or journalism i can totally get why it would all blend together and this random dude reporting on facebook seems no different who has the word source in his lead or his tease would seem no different than the washington post i don't know it's a, it's a confusing time. It's unfortunate. I think some of the stuff that went on with Ohio State over the weekend was really, with Tom Herman, was really um, really unfortunate because it just makes us all look bad, whether we're doing our jobs or not. But, but it doesn't help when a prominent coach like Will Muschamp is up there saying stuff like that. Fortunately, I don't think too many people were on his side on this one. You don't, th- this is not, uh, hey, they're going after the coach and this is un- unfair. I mean, a player died at Maryland. Clearly somebody messed up. And now you've got a whole bunch of sources saying that there was a the culture of mistreatment there. So I don't I don't know what the future holds in the immediate short term for Maryland football, but clearly that was a team that I thought in if you'd asked me in the spring, I'd say Ty Johnson, they got Ty Johnson, they just got a Byron Coward transferred in from Auburn. Like, hey, they could be pretty good this year. And now I just think their whole season is gonna implode because 
they're just there's just other stuff going there you know there's I just can't imagine what the morale is like in that locker room right now. Let's shift gears. So we're expecting at some point later this week, cause they said within 14 days. So if that's true, by Sunday, we are going to find out the results of this Ohio State investigation and whether Urban Meyer is going to keep his job. There haven't really been many new developments that we need to, for us to need to like go back into all the things we've already talked about in the last couple of podcasts. But on Monday, the Toledo Blade did uncover a 2013 DUI arrest for Zach Smith. This was previously unreported. It eventually got, as it seems to be the case a lot of things with this guy, the charges eventually got reduced. But he did fail a, a breathalyzer test and not good. Another not good situation involving Zach Smith and it's just another case of uh, how did this guy keep his job for as long as he did? I mean, this was even two years before the 2015 domestic violence allegation that's at the heart of this. Yeah, it's certainly more bad publicity for him. I don't think it certainly helps Ohio State's or Urban Meyer's cause. I, I don't think it, I don't think this directly affects whether he acted appropriately he being the head coach or not. It just the underlying second point is well did you did, technically did you handle this appropriately? That's one issue. The second one, which may or may not have to do with whether he, you know, what this investigation is, is, is I think a little more nuanced. It's really why did, not just why did you let him go when you let him go, but why didn't you let him go sooner? Now, whether Urban Meyer knew of this, this uh, DUI in question, we don't know yet. We don't know yet. Zach Smith says he, Urban Meyer didn't know about it. We'll find out. It just seems like whenever you get in these situations, whether it's Rick Pitino and his assistant who is hiring prostitutes or just anything, there's always this, oh, I didn't know. I couldn't possibly know about that. And like, yet they know, they, you know, they know like what, what their players have for lunch the day before. Like they know everything about their players' lives seemingly, but yet they don't know what their own assistants who spend 12, 13, 14 hours a day with them during the season are up to. They, they don't... He wouldn't know that his receivers coach just currently has a suspended license. We'll find out. I mean, I don't know if we'll find out. I assume this is part of the investigation. But again, as and I don't mean to be a broken record here, but we just don't know. Is the investigation that Ohio State has conducted solely focused on an incident in 2015 and how it was reported to Title IX and whether they did follow the protocol? Or is it about the whole situation of how Zach Smith was, how Urban was allowed to hire Zach Smith in the first place? and keep him on a staff for as long as he did with all these red flags. So not yeah, much has changed in that regard. An observation here, and this is just my own feeling on this story. Almost from the time that we got that release from Ohio State saying within 14 days they will come back with some kind of determination of what the investigation finds, in, there's been a lot of finger pointing and, and such related to this story. I got to admit, I'm, at this point I'm kind of like turned inside out about it. And I'm just kind of shrugging my shoulders at all of it. There's, it's taken, it's gotten messier and messier. As we just said, I'm not sure anything really of this factors into what's going to be de de determined from the investigation. But it's just one of these where I'm like, all right, I'm very curious what's going to happen with the investigation, what it's going to determine. A lot of this other stuff, I don't even know what to make of it. At this point, I'm just kind of like glazed over 
whenever I see Zach Smith's name or Courtney Smith's name or even some honestly some of the people who are reporting it. Not to not to knock any of them because they're working hard to you know to try and out try to find out more information. But it's just been it's just been a really it's like I said the mess is just the only word that really comes up for me. So when we were going to talk about it today, I just kind of like rolled my eyes and I'm like, what more do we have to say of substance on this? I'm we don't. Sure. I think we'll have a lot more to say after this report comes out. But you're right. There's not the, 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 the stuff that's been getting out there lately has just been focused on the wrong things, frankly, like the things that have nothing to do with the, the, the key issue. I just feel like it's just a lot of conjecture job. on one side or the other. You know, it's like it's just a lot of conjecture and it's a lot of you know feels like sometimes you innuendo and finger pointing and i'm like all right let's let's just find out what happens and we'll take it from there okay but let me ask you about let me bring up something else so you have to admit it's pretty darn unusual to have two coaches from the same division of the big 10 east on administrative leave right now for for various scandals and dennis dodd from cbs put together this story talked to jim delaney for it and it's, I mean, the, this is the conference, by the way, that, that named their divisions legends and leaders and just kind of like part of their brand is that they're the morally superior conference, that they do things the right way. I'm just going to read off to a partial list, not everything, partial list of scandals at Big Ten programs since 2011. Ready? Mm-hmm. Penn State, Jerry Sandusky, Ohio State. Jim Trestle resigns for lying to the NCAA. Remember 2014, Michigan, Shane Morris gets concussed and reinserted into the game. 2015, Illinois, Tim Beckman fired for influencing medical injury reports. 2015, Rutgers, Kyle Flood fired for influencing players' academic status. 2016, Kevin Wilson, Indiana, resigns for allegedly abusing players. 2017, Minnesota, Tracy Clay is fired for standing by boycotting players. Remember the players Mm -hmm. that got the whole game? Mm Mm-hmm. 2017, Michigan State, Larry Nasser scandal. 2018, Ohio State, Urban Meyer. 2018, Maryland, DJ Durkin. I mean, that's a whole lot of coaches who have been taken down or maybe about to be taken down for stuff that has nothing to do with wins and losses. Yeah, I mean, it's it's heavy. And look, some of it, some of it under the guise might have to do with the thought of wins and losses. Under the, you know, if you're saying, hey, this is what it takes to win or this is the this is what they think is what it takes to win or leads to that. You know, the Ohio state one to me doesn't fall in that category just because, you know, as we've talked about before, we're not thinking keeping on Zach Smith was determining about winning games or, but some of these others, I would say probably do fall under that category. It's strange because on one hand, as you said, the big 10 loves to beat its chest about, you know, it's academic reputation and things of that nature. But it, you know, it's brutal when you look at what just the run it's been in the last, I don't know, feel, it feels like it's been such a such an ugly month because of these stories are so impactful in terms of domestic violence, player, uh, player tragedy slash abuse allegations. Uh, that's about as bad as it can get, you know, even beyond academic fraud or something like you know you could you could throw in what north carolina had uh certainly but they're just it's been one wave after another when you started talking about that i was just thinking about you know the rutgers mike rice stuff and it felt like rutgers after a while couldn't get out of its own way 
without having some bad news attached to it in some capacity of the athletic department. But Minnesota had a pretty ugly, basketball had a pretty ugly scan, a scan, sexual assault scandal. Some of this, you know, Jim Delaney, Jim Delaney to his credit was not like in his in this article. He was not defensive. He was not trying to say, "Oh, it's unfair to pin this on our conference" or anything like that. Like he kind of, I don't want to say he owned it, but he, you know, admitted that like that's not good. But you know, also raised the fact of it is there are sexual predators. Delaney said. When you see something, you have to say something. We have to get much better than that. We have to become more skeptical. We have to be more skeptical of our coaches, of our doctors, of our commissioners, more skeptical of anybody in power. Delaney sees criminal behavior as more a reflection of society. It's a problem for us, but it minimizes an academic. It's a problem for us, but it minimizes an academic epidemic that is a problem in our country. I, as conference commissioner, don't have the answer. So he's right in that you can't necessarily group all of these things together. Like I don't. What happened with Jerry Sandusky was so, so, so awful. The fact that this Ohio State scandal involves a assistant who was allegedly abusing his wife, to me that's different than, and I think this is what you were trying to get at before, like what Kyle Flood was fired for wasn't technically about wins or losses, but he was trying to influence a player's academic status because he needed that player to win games. Correct. Uh, you know, Tim Beckman was trying to get guys who were injured back on the field so he could win games. Like, there's a difference to me between something like that and something like Jerry Sandusky, which was... Or Larry I mean, Nasser, or, you know... Look, or Larry Nasser, yeah. You know, there was there's another scandal at Ohio State, which I, I don't want to get into more than this, but, you know, that's a deceased team doctor, and there's yeah. all kinds of allegations going on around that, which, again, I think falls into the category of really disgraceful you know, disgusting behavior that was run amok or allegedly run amok as it was certainly with Larry Nasser. And I think, you know, I don't, I don't know, you know, as, as I guess as Delaney said, it's, it's, it's tough to lump everything in together, but it just falls in the category of, of really bad publicity. And there's, I don't know if there's, you can't just completely ignore it. Yeah, it, it does. That's, that's exactly right. And, but ultimately, it's a conference that, you know, if this exact same list was applied to, say, the SEC, uh, they would be, oh, the Big Ten fans would just be, oh, it's win at all costs. The SEC, they don't care about anything. It's just win at all costs. You know, they don't care about academics. They don't care about this. They don't care about that. And um, this is a really, really ugly list. All right. Unfortunately, Bruce has got to run. He's got people at the interview there at FAU. So we're going to have to cut this episode short. We didn't get to do your email questions this week. We will definitely do them next week. Send your questions to theaudiblepod at gmail.com. And we'll see you next time. If you haven't done so already, please subscribe to The Audible at Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts. We'd like to thank our producer, Nick Fink. And we'd like to thank Kevin and the Octaves for our intro song, Dangerous. You can download their music on iTunes or Spotify. If you haven't subscribed to The Athletic yet, what are you waiting for? Read both myself and Bruce and all our other great writers there. Go to theathletic.com slash theaudible and get 25% off. You can also follow our coverage at The Athletic CFB. You can follow me at SL Mandel. Follow Bruce at Bruce Feldman CFB. We'll see you next time. Come on,